So we're talking about uh, planting churches. There was a, I was going to use a little clip from uh, Tim Hawkins. Y'all know Tim Hawkins? He's talking about, uh, he, 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 he attends a pretty large church, and the pastor one Sunday started talking about their new church plant. And uh, the pastor was saying, we're so excited to get this new church plant. We've got to raise $100,000 for this new church plant. And Tim Hawkins is saying, what kind of plant is this? I, I'm, I, didn't, I, I didn't know he was talking about starting another church. I thought he was like a church plant, like we were going to put it out in the lobby. He's like, should we vote on this? What? I mean, do $100,000 for a plant? What kind, where are we going to put it? Another state. We're buying a plant to put in another state? And so there's this funny kind of lingo in the church world of a church plant and church planting. And, and I want to talk about this, that this morning because that is part of being on mission as a church is that every healthy church that is discipling, that is growing people, that is pouring into people, that is sharing the gospel and reaching new people, is going to do a thing, and it's going to multiply. That it's going to pour out of it into new works and expressions of God in a community. It just is going to happen. How do I know it's going to happen? We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, but if you read the book of Acts, <laughs> it'll be hard to debate that fact. But I talked about this book on the first uh, sermon in the series, Planting Missional Churches. Um, it's an amazing book, terrific book. I would encourage you to grab it and read it. Uh, he talks about being missional in here. It means adopting the posture of a missionary, joining Jesus on mission, learning and adapting to the culture around you while remaining biblically sound. This is about going on mission. Realizing to be a missionary, you don't have to go to another country. You don't even have to leave your town. And we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 a majority of the time this morning um, uh, where Paul is writing to the church at Corinth that's having some division. And, he, and he's, talking about, uh, he's talking about planting, uh, and he's talking about uh, 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 what's happening in the church at Corinth is there's this division that some of them like Apollos as a preacher, some of them like Paul as a preacher, and there's like get, starting to be this little division among the church that one's like, well, I like Apollos, I'm going over here. Well, well Paul's a better preacher, I'm going over here, and there's this division. And, and Paul still wants to write back and just like speak right into that, and he does it uh, starting in chapter 3, of 1 Corinthians. I'm going to start reading uh, in verse 5. Let's put it up on the screen that I want to talk about. Man, I forgot all the announcements. I'll do that in a second. 1 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 5. What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Again, talking about the entire body of Christ. We've all got a role to play and can be on mission with Christ. And he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor, for we are co-workers, co-laborers. We are together in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Talk about this line here, I planted the seed and Apollos watered it. Uh, my grandfather, Papa, that's what he was uh, to me, uh, he always had a garden 
and uh, he would he would get me to help sometimes, and those were the days I loved, right? The days I, I loved helping in the garden. Eh, that might be a I might have just lied in the pulpit. But he had this garden, and I would help him. And, and, and I learned about garden. He knew he knew how to plant, and and he knew how to water. And I could I could have had a little pot here, and, and we could put a seed in, and we could water it, we could plant it, and then we could water. And we we know how to do those things. But there is there is nobody like I mean okay so I got this plant I stick a Lego in it, and I water it. I planted and I watered. Is it going to grow? No. See, see, what Paul is saying is like, this is about humility for the leaders of the church. This is about humility to realize that they are only servants. You see, planting a seed and watering it are the most two simple tasks. It's not complicated. Like, it is so simple. You just put it in the ground. It can get complicated, right? In a big garden, maybe. But the, just the task of put the seed in the ground, put a little water on it. Is that anything to boast about? He's saying no. He says, because God has been making it grow. And what he's really, what this is an illustration of is the heart of mankind. Try as you will your entire life. You will not be able to change your spouse's heart. We have no idea how to change the heart of man. Or woman. Only God how to change a heart. Do we have a role to play in it? Sure, we plant and we water we share in, in, in deeds and words. We share the gospel. We serve. We love. And, and God, God is not worried. I've shared this a couple times about our impact, but our obedience to just plant and water. Plant and water. Plant and water. And in doing that, God himself will change hearts. He changes the heart. I'm going to talk about three things as we think about church planning because this is what this is about. This is what he's talking about. Is I'm going to talk for a minute about what church means. Uh, I, I, I'm really going to talk about two things pretty much. One is some very common objections to church planning. That's going to come from this book. All right, the, uh, this is not stuff I came up with. I just want to share some things in here that you will hear. We are uh, a church plant, a new church six years ago. Uh, you've heard the story. I don't have time to get into it all. Just know God breathed this place into existence. And, um, and, and, and I want to talk a little bit about some objections because you get that, right? I mean, some of us have grown up in church. Who grew up in church? Who's basically been in church for most of their life? We've heard the things people have said about new churches, church splits, all these things. And I'm going to just dig. I'm going to go right into all this stuff. Like, it's going to get a little messy. Um, but this is just what God has on my heart. Is that all right if I just share what God has on my heart? 
Um, there's a few things that I want to talk through here about that he shares that are objections to church playing. One is uh, this uh, large church mentality that people will say, well, it would be easier to find medium-sized churches and just help them grow. Like, let's turn medium churches into large churches. Large churches are uh, easier to function. They have uh, cost savings, like all the business things, economies of scale. Who cares about that? Who cares about the Holy Spirit? We have economies of scale. And they'll say, let's turn medium churches into large churches. But the research shows that statistically per capita, new churches win more people to Christ. New churches reach the lost per capita at far exceeding existing churches. Established, they just reach more lost people. They do. That's the research. That's the data. New churches reach new people. There might also be this what the, he calls the parish church mindset that a parish is like a geographic region. Like uh, you, you only need one church per this uh, you know census tract, this community, this county, whatever that might be. You just need this number of churches, and that's enough. There's and we might say there's already enough churches here. Right? You might hear that said. You might hear it said, "Why in the world do we need?" Another church. This is Eastern Kentucky. I drove to Whitesburg Friday. I don't. I saw so many churches. Why would we need another church? Uh, the reality is that that the American population in the last 150 years has increased like four times, 400 uh, percent the last hundred years, and churches have increased by like 50 percent. Like we're not keeping up with the population. That's in America. For example, in 1900, there were 28 churches for every 10,000 people. 28. In 2011, there were only 11 churches for every 10,000 people. Third objection uh, that really slows church planning down is what we would call the uh, professional professional church syndrome that you got to have a degree from seminary. You have a seminary degree. You've got to be a trained minister or pastor. In that case, new beginnings would not exist. Right? Do you think that when we preached a couple weeks ago, when Jesus caught the demoniac, right, healed him, changed his life, what did he say? Go to your hometown and tell the people. He didn't say, go to Asbury. (laughs) Nothing against seminary degrees. Nothing against training. I'm all about training. And and in today's world of education, you can learn from a lot of places without having a bachelor's degree or a master's degree. You can, I mean, the resources are out there to learn and train and uh, and be discipled. But this mindset that only someone with a degree in that field can plant a church and and ignoring completely the call of the Holy Spirit and what God is doing slows this thing down. It slows it down. Uh, Rescue the perishing syndrome. Rescue the dying syndrome might be what we would say. 
this idea that we shouldn't plant churches. We've got all these churches dying. Is that, a, is that a wrong statement? Nobody wants to agree. The idea is that why should we start new churches when so many struggle and die? Saving dead and dying churches is much more difficult and ultimately more costly than starting new ones. Um, the truth is, we do have a lot of church, a lot of churches. We've got a lot of churches in this town, in this county. We've got uh, a lot of dying churches. All right, I'm going to just, just be honest with you for a minute. We've got a lot of dead churches. And man, we've been trained not to say that. Because we've been trained to be more loyal to a denomination, a name over the door, a preacher, than the gospel. We have been trained to be more loyal to a denomination, a name over the door, or a preacher than the gospel. We would rather not hurt someone's feelings than get things right. And why do churches die? This is not, this is not me. This is another, like, from research. I'm just sharing some ideas. Refusal to change. Like this first missionary thing, missional, it says... Adapting to the culture around you. I love, uh, there was something I was reading said, when someone comes to church, like the, the only obstacle between them and following Jesus should be the cross of Christ. Like they shouldn't, they shouldn't have to step out of the culture and then like can't understand the singing or relate to it. Or like it, it shouldn't be so disconnected, everything else, that they can't even get to where they hear the gospel. Like, and, and so there's this refusal uh, to change, that we really hold tighter to, to tradition and, and the things that we're used to and uh, religion than we do the gospel. And see, when we started, like it was a chance for me, like I was raised in church, I've gone to church my whole life, and, and to sit down and think and be like, what is it that we do that I always thought that was church? And like there's nothing in the Bible about it anywhere. Right, what are, like you gotta have a hymnal, the red hymnal. You gotta have it. You can't have church. You're not a real church. You don't even have hymnals. Pews, chandeliers, steeples, like all the things. The order of service, the standing up and saying who's got something on their heart. Refusal to change, an inability to admit they're sick. They're not outside the walls. They have no mission except to have service on Sunday morning. Nobody's been saved in years. They're not having baptisms. Um, they're dying. 
They fail to take responsibility. They blame everything else. They blame the culture. They blame the community. They blame the pastor they had three times ago, and they're 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 blaming this deacon and that like that. You this is y'all y'all seen this like the blame game. Nobody will say, man, it's on us. Like maybe there's something in our heart. Uh, and really, this I've heard this a lot too, and, and this article shared it. A desire to run, return to 1985. Yeah, man, just the good old days. If we could get back. You don't know what this church was like in 1985. If we could just get back there. And so you put off the entire next generation and say, church is never going to be good because it was great then. And there's a desire to go back to 1985, and I'd probably be sucking a passy. I'd be too. Here's one thing I, I know. Churches as we know a church, which is a sign, a building, a place, a congregation, that those might be dying. But God is not dead. The real church is not dying. Okay? And so don't get illusion that just because some version or expression of what we think is a church is struggling, not making it, I can promise you that that is not God. God is not dying. He is not dead. The, the real church is actually multiplying. It has no other option but to multiply. And so I have a heart for this place to be a multiplying church. Like, we're just empowering people to go serve the gospel and get outside the walls and do things that are so uncomfortable that this is multiplying, that things are growing, that things are happening. Not for new beginnings. Not for new beginnings. The name or... And what happens when you, when you start thinking about things this way, you start, you start losing that loyalty to new beginnings. If you came to me and you said, Jared, I'm just feeling called to go over and serve in this church and this ministry, I'd be like, go do it, brother. If that's on your heart, you go to, I'll can I come pray for you all? Can we, what can we do to pour into you? Like, right, but we've always felt like, oh, you can't steal other people's members. Right, but, but here, here's what happens. I'm going to go ahead and uh, talk about it. There's this, the other objection is already reached myth. We're in the Bible Belt. Everybody's a Christian. Uh, th this is, if, if you go to the, Wal the Walmarts, <laughs> all right, you go to the Walmarts over here at Pikeville. Anybody been to that Walmarts? And you're going to bump into 11 people you don't know, okay? 11 people you don't know just in the aisles, maybe out in the parking lot. You bump into 11 people you don't know. One of them goes to church regularly. 8.5% of the people in Pike County reported that they go to church, attend regularly. Now, am I saying go to church is what solves everything? No, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an indicator of our spiritual health. One out of every one person 
Out of the 11, you're thinking, I go to church. This person probably goes to church. Everybody around here goes to church. Well, there's about 57,000 people in Pike County. About four to 5,000 of them go to church. What? Is, um, I don't know. Does that, does that make... Does, would you have thought that? Maybe you're not surprised... 53,000 people in our own county? And we're saying we have enough churches and we're doing enough? And they're already reached? 53K, that's what I'm calling Pike County. 53K. And we, as a church, would sometimes rather be arguing about the color of the carpet. When there's lost and broken. I mean, all the stuff you see around us, broken marriages, addiction, all these things, families, all this stuff. That's not the problem. It's symptoms of brokenness between people and their maker. And until we get a heart for those 53,000, until we get a heart for the 10 we meet at Walmart that, that don't go to church instead of just being feeling comfortable celebrating with the one that we know goes to church. We can't be fully on mission with God. In Acts chapter 11, what's the biblical basis of this and and church planning? And what I'm not going to do and what I want you to understand is I'm not going to get in... There's a lot of stuff. This is a whole book about planting churches. I mean, it gets complicated. There's ways to do it. There's ways to fund it. There's ways to support it. There's, there's programs. There's all these things like you can learn. Uh, and, and, and through that, you've got to sort through how does the Holy Spirit do it. And all these are just trying to observe and see how God does it because God multiplies the church. He plants churches. He grows churches. Um, but there's all kinds of stuff in here about this. But if you turn to the book of Acts and chapter 11... I'm going to wrap up in just a second. In Acts chapter 11, and verse 19, uh, it says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, y'all remember Stephen, the first martyr, was stoned. When he was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. But some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them what? The good news? Telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. It says the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. This word about Antioch got back to the church at Jerusalem, and they said, man, what is going on down there? So they sent Barnabas down to Antioch, and this is what he said in verse 23. It says, when he arrived and saw what uh, the, the church planning program had done or the, the, the amazing funding that had come into place or the structure that they had set up had done, no, he said, look at what the grace of God has done. 
He, God's great. God had mercy on that group of people, and, and he sent some people. Didn't even, we don't even know their names. It just says some people went. didn't matter because they're just planting. They're just watering. They're just servants. Didn't say, look what those people did. Said, look what the grace of God has done. When you turn over to chapter 13, you see Barnabas and Saul get back to Antioch after a trip and being in Jerusalem. Chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Now in the church of Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manny had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the works to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. That was the church at Antioch, the first sending church, maybe. A church that became a place that discipled and poured into people and began to get on mission with God to reach the lost around them. First Colossians three seventeen and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I'm talking about taking our light. I'm talking about how do we take the light that is inside of us and go into the darkness, all right, that is around us. How do we get outside of the comfort, the control that we like to have, and get out into the darkness and share a light? And, and y'all go into the darkness every day. Y'all go to work. Y'all go to school. I mean, it's all around you. And God's calling us to be a light in this place. Here, here's, where, here's, what, here's, here's what my heart is. It's a lot to really just say this. I think it's time uh, for a new beginning. I think it's time for a new beginning uh, in our community. I think it's time for a new beginning in this region. I had a good friend that said, man, we live in the Bible Belt. It's the most religious place I know, and it's not been for the good. Like, people got wrong impressions of who Jesus is all around us. Those 10 of 11, they've heard about Jesus. <laughs> and they've seen what they think people that follow Jesus are like, and it ain't been good. So we got our work cut out for us, but it's not our work. It's he that's working inside of us. To reach the law. So a new beginning in our community, a new beginning for our region, a new era for the gospel in this place. And I've been feeling this in my heart for some time. And, uh, and here's what I know is it starts not in a building. It starts in God's temple. In you and in me. It starts with saying, I'm sorry for getting this wrong for some time. I'm sorry, I've been more loyal to a name, a place, a thing than I have, the gospel. God, turn that heart for me. Give me a hunger for you, for your strength. God, give me a love for every one of the churches, the pastors, the people that follow, 
all around me. Give me this hunger for unity, not division. That we're listen. Here's the mindset, and I'm a pastor. It's easy to get in. It's it's we're competing for the four thousand that go to church. As long as that's the conversation we're having in this county and in this place, like we're not going to get anywhere. Like until we get unified and say we're just pointing people to Jesus, I don't care where they end up on Sunday morning because that's just a place that you go and get filled up and then you go to work on mission with Christ. Until we don't care about where people land on Sunday morning, we're going to struggle. But I think God can change this. I got a friend who's Pastor Matt Brown. He's been here uh, to New Beginnings before and preached. He pastors down in Louisa, Kentucky, at a, a church plant called The Table. And I was sharing with him a little bit about, um, uh, and, and this happened like on a Saturday morning. I was up early studying and praying. Is that what y'all do on Saturday mornings? I'm weird, I know. I was up studying and praying. I was up super early that morning, like 530. And, um, and out of the blue, he texted me. Uh, like something he was preparing for his sermon, and I started texting him back. He probably didn't expect that. And, um, and I was sharing with him just a little bit about what God was doing with, 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 with Southland and our church and Together for the Mountains and, like, all these things that I, I feel coming together. And, uh, and, and he said, I, I went on a walk this morning. I was standing on that hill looking at that place, and he sent me this prayer he prayed. Can I read you the prayer he prayed? He said, God, the Bible Belt has been one of the poorest and most poverty-stricken, the most addiction-stricken, the most unhealthy region of the entire nation. God, I believe that it is because we have trusted other sources like coal and politicians and old covenant legalistic theology that judges and condemns and scares people into a bare-knuckle transactional relationship with you. A religion that is based off of behavior modification and rule following. God, in the next decade, I believe that people will start referring to this as the compassion belt. The love belt. The grace belt. The Jesus belt. The restoration belt. The redemption belt. Belt, and that this region's heart will turn towards Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection as a picture of how we should operate. That we would move away from old covenant thinking and embrace new covenant, Christ-centered Christianity. Here's what I want to tell you uh, about, uh, about church planning. This is... And some of you may have had experience in this world, and some of it's completely new, like a church starting another church. I remember once a church I was at, uh, a guy that preached felt like he, he, he wanted to start pastoring, and so he went to Winchester and started pastoring. And that was totally cool. Everybody's all in on that. Like, they, like okay, we'll send him a little bit of money every month. I'm talking about next week we, we've got Michael Clark coming. And listen, God is working in his life in an incredible way, calling him to Wattsburg. Like, you're gonna, you don't want to miss next week is all, all I want to say. If you've been in college, you've had a science class, you had a lecture, and then you had a lab. Well, this was the lecture, and it's boring. 
It's important. Next week's the lab. You're saying, what's Jerry talking about? What is he saying? Planting churches and new expressions reach new people. There are people sitting in this place right now watching online that had God not breathed new beginnings into existence would not have found Christ. There, there were people that came to the first service that hadn't come with their spouse uh, in 20 years that came to the very first service when we didn't even know we were having, we didn't even know what we were doing and got saved in the first few weeks. Like, this is how you reach new people. Now, when we go into Whitesburg, somebody's going to start a new church, all those objections, well, there's plenty of churches in Whitesburg. Well, there's this and there's that, and we're going to start protecting and self-protection. Listen, as long as we are trying to protect new beginnings, God never let me try to protect new beginnings. More than we want to protect and fight for the gospel. We can't go wrong following God into this. Because, you know, Letcher County's numbers are worse. Lower church attendance, lower participation, more brokenness, more poverty, all the things right here. I mean, you can see this region. Uh, this is a map of Appalachia. Kentucky's there. Red is bad. It's distressed. It's the worst. It's, yeah, all this stuff. All the stuff we know. But maybe living in Pikeville, we don't see and experience every day. But, yeah, this is it. And who can change it? God. He's the only one that can change it. He is the only one. And I just have to believe. I mean, if he says, I can imagine it being fixed. So if he says he can do more than I can ask or imagine, then he can fix it. He can change it. He can tangibly show the people in this place that he loves them through his church. And you see, Michael already has a church because he's been there. He, he, he's helped almost 400 people get out of jail and into treatment in Whitesburg. Drove many of them to treatment. Led them to the Lord. They're calling him still. He's discipling and mentoring and pouring into these people. Are we Planting a church is not just getting a sign and a sound system. He already has the church. Like We just need to get them a place where they can get together. And as soon as he says we're getting together, there's going to be people there, and more people are going to be getting saved. Like It's just it's this momentum that our church here is going to be able to just be like cheering them on, pouring into, uh, and supporting in every way that we can. So I have to believe. We have to live and act like we believe God can do this. And trust him every step of the way. God, we're thankful uh, this morning. God, that we are only servants. God, I thank you um, that we don't know how to make a seed grow. God, remind us we don't know how to change our heart except that we know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, except that in our words and our deeds, we go about our week planting and watering. God, that we are not called
to focus on this gathering on Sunday mornings. God, that we are called to be on mission. With you we pray, God, just do what only you can do. God, bring your people together for the mountains in a way. God, that we could just be a conduit. That we could look back and say, hey, we were nothing. We, we were just the ones by which they believed. And they came to hear about the real power, the real strength, the real change agent, the real difference maker, Jesus Christ himself. God, give this space, this building, bless it to be a place that's a blessing to everyone else. Everyone around us. God, you said that through your seed, through Abram, you would bless all people. God, let us bless those around us. Let us be seen as a blessing, as a benefit. Whether they believe in Jesus or not, let us see them, let them see you in us. God, just break our hearts this morning, wreck our hearts, bring us to you, point us back to the gospel. Give us the courage it takes to stand in on mission with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.